The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock Podcast with your host, Dave Escuro. Happy Monday morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and today I'm joined with a really special guest, an incredible artist, a fellow podcaster, a musician. Uh, you, if you follow her on Twitter, you may know her as Vix in the Simulation, or if you follow her on Instagram, you may know her as Vix in the Shadows. Uh, but my guest today is Angie, and Angie is part of a group that I... Uh, I'm a part of as well called the 777 Club. It's a group where we get together and we break down the Book of Thoth and we do tarot readings with one another. And it's it's a really uh, fantastic weekly coming together, a convergence of like-minded people who share and connect with one another. And that's where I first got to know her. Um, but over the course of this podcast, so many of the things that we went over just resonated with me as as things that echoed my own life. And I thought that we had a, a fantastic conversation, and I hope that you all enjoy it. Uh, she's, again, a wonderful artist. So after this podcast, if you like what you hear, please follow her on social media. Again, on Twitter, it's Vix in the Simulation. On Instagram, it's Vix in the Shadows. Uh, as you'll listen, as you'll hear, she'll be putting out some more art later this year. And so I encourage everyone to follow her. And without further ado, this is my guest, Angie Vix in the Simulation. I just use a streaming thing for my baby podcast. <laughs> They're all, we're all baby podcasts, really, yeah, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah. We're such a niche thing. What yeah. is the name of your podcast? Because I've seen that you have it listed on your um, on your bios, but I don't know if I've ever seen a link for it. No. Okay. So, funny thing. Um, it's called the Conceptionauts Travelers in Thought. So, Conceptionauts is a word I came up with that, um, you know, so psychonauts are travels of the inner world, astronauts of the stars, that kind of thing. And it's um, it started off as the perceptionauts because it's about like different people's perception on the world and like just it's basically just a conversation about their different viewpoints and perspectives. And But then conceptionauts just sounded better, like someone else said it and when I, I told them about it and it just stuck and um, I did it, I started it last year when we had our first lockdown last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just had a whole bunch of guests, like heaps of people I had met through like the Damien Eccles Facebook group that I was active in at the time, um, and just random people online and a few like cool art people that, um, I was lucky enough to meet. And then it sort of slowed down. Like my illness got worse over the summer last year. So our summer, December, um, mm-hmm. and it slowed down a bit and I was going to bring it back this year. I actually got two episodes recorded two awesome guests who I love and I just haven't um I want to it used to be live like a Facebook live thing yeah right yeah yeah and I want to start pre-recording it but it's a big jump because it's like a whole different world (laughs) you have to have an intro you have to so like I you know I sort of got blocked about it and um but I'm wanting to that's why I wanted to do this as well when you asked I was really excited because I was like well this is my last the the podcast started because I did someone else's Facebook live yeah, and they were like, you should do this. And I was like, all right. You know, well, yes, exactly. I was going to say, maybe this will be the springboard for you because that sounds like an amazing idea. It's not so different, I guess, than um, this podcast for me because for me it was always like – I always liked conversational-style podcasts. I just you know like eavesdropping, so to speak. Uh-huh. I may have some voyeuristic tendencies. And, and so um, 
Yeah. And, and then, you know, like I've done other podcasts before of, you know, varying topics. And, and as I sort of made my own foray into magic, um, I had questions, right? I have questions. And I thought, sure. I figured the best way to answer some of those questions is to just invite people on and chat. And as it turns out, not even every podcast even touches on magic. I've had episodes where that we don't touch it at all because it's, it does, it's not a common ground, but, um, yours sounds really intriguing because it is really, um, yeah, the exploration of perception or conception or however you want to look at it of the world seems like so varied and you could take it into so many different topics and nooks and crannies and explore so many different perspectives that, um, to me, I mean, that would be really exciting for me to listen to anyway. And if you need any help, I, like I said, this is like my fourth podcast. So I've, and I've, all of them have been pre-records. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. like this, like this that we're using is Zencaster with no ER. It's a Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. I'm not sponsored or anything. I, ca- <laughs> I came out, not sponsored, but I would, I'll take a sponsor if Zencaster wants to sponsor me. Um, it was the same thing. I was a guest on someone else's podcast, and this is the platform that they use. And I'd been using Audacity or Zoom prior, and this thing, this this app just works better for me. So um, you might you might look into it. it's free and it's online, and you can just send someone a link and and then hit record, and it records two or three separate audio files. Yeah, you can then. I think you probably can edit within the app, but I pull everything into Final Cut just because I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, it's what you you do wheelhouse, right? Um, it's funny you said like not every podcast ends up being about magic. That's sort of what happened with the conceptionalists as well. Was like it became even the ones that conversations that weren't at all about magic. Like I had a friend of mine who was a personal trainer, and it was about play. Like she's very childlike, and then the importance mm-hmm. of play and movement. And um, of course, I bring up magic. <laughs> like I end up bringing it up all the time. But what you just said there was like magic because. Um, I believe that when you're looking for a mentor to put your magic into the world, they appear. And like literally communication is something that I think I'm here to do with art, with magic, with like everything on the internet that I make. Like um, that's why I call myself a creator rather than just an artist because it's everything there. Um, And then you've just like gone, well, maybe you should get back into it. Look, here's this thing I use. And like if you need any help and – like to me, that's magic right there. It just happened. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I think that sometimes a lot of podcasts I listen to, especially the ones that approach magic or witchcraft or anything, they're very sort of centric in either um, explaining like a, like in a teaching sort of method or uh, commentary on things happening within the air quotes community. Uh-huh. And, um, I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to teach anyone. I mean, at best, maybe I can offer some perspective as a, as a quickly grain, crusty old dude, but like, that's, (laughs) I'm not here. I'm not here to teach anyone. Um, Here's Dave over here looking like the eternal, like 20 year old (laughs) going crusty old dude. (laughs) I don't feel 20. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. This this pinched, (laughs) pinched nerve in my neck. That's been hurting me for a week. Like, it don't feel 20. It feels all of 40 plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Then, it, no, it's okay. And then conversely, I just, you know, I don't want to comment on shit online more than I already do, you know? So, um, you, you know, to, exactly. To your point, to me, everything is magic and especially art is magic. And uh, magic manifests itself when you're least expecting it or when you're not consciously trying to do it at often. And I feel like, 
what my hope is at least is that um you know someone you know someone's able to glean something from this that is intriguing and and uh engages them in some way and maybe it will be a magic it will be magic for them in in some way maybe it will inspire someone to start their podcast or their blog or youtube channel or twitch channel or whatever it may be and i love that you call yourself a creator because um the enchantment in of life, which is a is a phrase that my my buddy over at the Regrettable Century coined, comes, or at least for me, manifests itself in creating something, even yeah. if it's just for myself. And your your part, you have so many things that you're involved in. Like you're an amazing artist. Um, we obviously we talked about your podcast, which I'm really excited is going to come back now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, now there's pressure, right? Yeah, yeah, um, that's good though. That's good. I yeah. work good with pressure. <laughs> um, you're creating a tarot deck. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You're a musician, there's a drum kit behind you. Yeah. So so like I, I, I don't know where to start other than like what what was your path to being a creator? Uh did it start with drawing or music or you know, what was that sort of path and kind of where do you find yourself right now? Because obviously people listening to this can't see what I see, but like you have a workshop of stuff behind you and it's awesome. You know, like it feels cool. I, it feels like you could just at any moment, like wheel your chair around and be involved and create like at the speed of thought. (laughs) How does that that all start for you? Um, The, well, the workshop behind me starts from being incredibly messy because <laughs> 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 that's my altar. There's a drum kit. This is our living room and the front room of the house. And as soon as you walk in, you get like art trolley desk altar drum kit. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my house <laughs> in case you didn't notice. But, um, yeah, so I like, okay, so the only way I can describe it, I once saw, um, did you ever see the movie Velvet Goldmine? Yes, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a little bit of a like, what do they call it? Like ego comes before like awakening, right? So for a mm-hmm. long time I was like, I'm super creative. I'm such an angsty, artsy, like edgy person. And like that was like my teens and a little bit of my 20s till I like learn a few hard lessons. But I watched that movie, I have no idea what age I was, um, and that whole concept where they talk about with like the thing falls from like space and whoever mm-hmm. ends up with it becomes like this creative force that just like it burns them up, you know, like it's because yeah. they're so creative, it like burns them up. And I was always like, that's me. <laughs> like that was how I, I just wanted to like from a kid, I wanted to make things and draw and music and art was always the thing. I actually love music way more than art. Art just comes completely naturally to me. Like I've been able to draw since I was like a kid. And then, you know, like thankful to the people who like put me in art classes and fostered that. There was a lot of training. Like it's not just something that I do, you know. There was obviously like years of training and um, a lot of like hating it as well. I used to hate figure drawing. Now I draw people all the time. Like it's funny how that works out. Um, Yeah. But music was like the big passion and I was in bands for a little while. They didn't really go anywhere. Um, but I still like, it's just a, a lot of hard work, right? And right. Um, along the line somewhere, someone was like, instead of being like a starving artist all the time, you should go learn graphic design. Like it was random. Like someone was like, there's a few places left at like a local college 
they start next week, you should just apply. You'd probably get in. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, and they're like, you can get a job doing this and still do creative stuff. And I didn't even know anything about graphic design. And I went, got in, did like years of study, did that as a job. And then pandemic, like I just reached mm-hmm. my breaking point, you know, like it wasn't just yes. pandemic. I got sick. Like um, I've got rheumatoid arthritis, which is like a bit of a misleading yep. thing. Sorry, um, it's a bit of a misleading name as in arthritis is like a symptom of it. It's actually like a autoimmune condition and um, my mobility is like severely affected by it. And so what's funny about that is right before it got really bad, I had this moment of being like, I hate working, like I don't want to be mainstream. I just want to do magic again every day and I want to make art. And like I wished it and there was like a moment in the thunderstorm And then I got really sick and had to like change my life. Like, and real, but in that time, that last like three years, what I've done is come back to magic and come back to art. Um, And so it's like, to me, I just look at it as like my shaming in the cave phase. So at this point, I'm trying to emerge from the cave and share my magic and my art with the world. Like, and I've got to that point, especially in the last like year, I've met. Uh, you and our community on like community oh, that word um <laughs> but I've met our community online um there's a few good people in it you know I'm not I'm a bit of a like loner as well I yeah I get really involved online and make heaps of friends and then I go dark for like two weeks and um it runs in waves with me but I've made some really really cool connections and that's helped me learn more about magic and in turn that's informed me art more and so then the tarot deck was something I wanted to do since I was like 25 but it just never came um and now it's like I can't help it that's all I've got to do you know what I mean like I'm I'm done like working for someone else or trying to like I just have to make this thing and get it out of me because it's my magic that I'm going to leave in the world because I'm probably not going to have kids I'm probably like not going to own a house or like have an empire Mm -hmm. um so I'm just gonna like this. <laughs> I hope that explains it well. Sorry, I went on a rant. I'm so sorry. No, it's excellent. It's funny because there's a couple of things that you mentioned that really resonated. There's, um, well, first and foremost, I in a previous podcast that I used to do with a mate of mine, um, we talked about. I think we I think we labeled the podcast like the way of the artist or something like that. I don't remember. It's the, it was a grindhouse podcast, but um, you know, my old podcasting partner Matt is a, a sculptor by trade. Well, he's a sculptor and he's a graphic designer and just a brilliantly creative person. But um, he works at a, at a, uh, a refinery, not a refinery. What is it called? Where you pour, uh, you, you like do bronze sculpting. Oh, like a casting. Uh, yeah, like a casting. Where they, type. Where they do casting. Yeah, I don't know. I want to say finery, but I'm, I'm probably butchering it. But he, you know, he works at foundry. Foundry. He works at a foundry. Ah, yes. Doing bronze casting. And, um, and one of the things that we talked about was that if you're a creative person and you want to do art, you don't have to be a starving artist. That's not the only way to do things. Sometimes you do things by, by working in a field in some way that is, that allows your creative skills to be, uh, showcased. Mm -hmm. And from that, a lot of times you either, um, I mean, certainly you'll make connections or opportunities will come up or perhaps you'll be inspired in different ways. Um, And you can always, of course, jump off that train if it becomes a job, you know, a J-O-B. But what it what it does in, uh, you know, 
which is which sets it apart from say working at a grocery store is that uh i find that it keeps people inspired yeah even if eventually they decide like i'm tired of because i'm trust me i have that feeling every time i do a movie i'm like i'm tired of making other people's movies right yeah yeah <laughs> i bet <laughs> but but if i had only done this stuff on the side and i kept my job working retail then at some point likely i would have just you know like most people do they kind of burn out and they just it becomes a hobby and then it becomes a less frequent hobby and then it becomes an occasional dalliance and then you just stop it's like me and playing bass you know i used to play music all growing up and then once I wasn't in bands anymore, really doing anything with my musical abilities, that just wasn't something I kept up with. Um, and then the other thing that you mentioned, I thought that was really, really interesting, was in terms of um, leaving a legacy behind, right? Feeling inspired to leave something, you know, to the world. And um, my sister has or had had rheumatoid arthritis, which is, I think, you can grow out of it. I mean, she had as a as a young person as a teenager yeah, you can go into remission so like yeah. what, she, what she would have had was like i can't remember the name of it but it's the same thing but when you're young it, they call it something different so she'd probably be in remission i'd imagine yeah i would guess yeah. and i have got i don't know if i have it i have weird things with my hands they lock often uh-huh. like yeah. they'll just like lock and i think it's called like trigger finger yeah so sometimes it's genetic so like just maybe get a button yeah yeah probably <laughs> yeah. yeah but Sorry, um well, but it's it's interesting in the path that things take us because when you stay being creative, I find um, you'll you'll be drawn to 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 make something that reflects you, like the whole of you. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, similarly to you, and I think similar to a lot of people, is the, the pandemic. I, I, you know, like. It's been a constant topic on this podcast. It comes up inevitably because it's such a massive part of everyone's life right now. Right. Certainly, yeah. I'm sure in Australia, you guys are are dealing with lockdowns again. And yeah, yeah, we're hard in lockdown at the moment because of Delta. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in America, everyone's parting out by the pool behind me and catching. Hey, we were there. We were there for like most of this year. So yeah, yeah. but yeah. but the pandemic for me, and it sounds like for you as well, was like a, a pivoting point in one's life. You know, excuse me. Um, it's okay. And I was, you know, I was, I was pretty proper burnt out coming after last year. And there was, um, there were so many instances where I, where for me as a filmmaker, I felt like it had become a job, and and I just felt like I needed to hop off the train for a little while and mm-hmm. catch my breath. Uh, almost to the point where I, I thought that I inadvertently caused the pandemic, maybe not really, but kind of, sort of, where I was like, yeah. I, 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 with every fiber of my body, I just desperately wanted to go home. Didn't want to work break. anymore? Oh, my God, I, I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, we are in lockdown? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, I'm not saying that I did it solely. No, no, but, but like, you but, were okay with it. <laughs> but... But I was definitely okay with it. And I and I, mean, I, I wonder how many people across the world experience that experience that deep existential dread of just not wanting to be on this rat race any longer. And how many people collectively were just like, I just want to stop. Sure. And whether or not that plays any role in it or not, I don't know. But I certainly so, like okay, look, so not the the deaths and like suffering notwithstanding, I think people's collective trauma from like just the system that the world works in 
I think you'd find it's more people than you realize, like more than like every second person would feel that way where they were like, oh my God, I can take a breath for a moment. I I definitely know like a lot of my friends, a lot of people who are neurodivergent or in uh, different communities where anxiety and, and, and trauma is already a part of their lives or illnesses already, disabled communities, things like that. We kind of embraced like the pandemic like I was watching everyone around me freak out about what had happened to me three years ago when I got sick where I couldn't go outside anymore I was on immunosuppressing drugs all of a sudden I had to like watch how much time I spent in the sun I had to watch myself at flu season I couldn't be around people I couldn't like really go outside more because of my mobility like and then everyone's going like this is awful we can't live like this and I'm like guys, it's going to be okay, <laughs> like, right. you know, because I had sort of like experience and, and I, th- I feel like a lot of people would vibe with that experience who don't have, not even having a disability or, or, or being neurodivergent or being somehow like differently abled, but even other people like who just are not satisfied with the way things were going. And I wonder about like, you know, they talk about Schumann resonance and that kind of stuff, like frequencies mm-hmm. that affect the earth. I don't know about that, but I do know the whole earth is energy, right? And right. that's what magic is. That's what we practice in. That's what we believe in um, as practitioners of magic. No matter what the different strain, like strains of it are, um, the essential thing we all believe is that we're manipulating energy and like causing our will, you know, like following our true will. And so if all these people are feeling that way, and that collective sigh of relief, like, I wonder about the pandemic and how it was caused. Like, yeah, there's reasons and scientific reasons and real-world reasons, but behind that, was this, like, nature going, okay, maybe everyone needs that time in the cave right now. Maybe it's, it's time to... for all of you to look <laughs> inside. Yeah, and, and I'm, again, like, I think it's, it's really important to reiterate, like, of course, mm-hmm. the, the, the deaths and the illnesses and the suffering and the loss is, is a terrible thing. And, and that's, there's, yeah, it's not a good thing. But what I found to speak to your point is that the people who handled the pandemic the best, who maybe even you could argue have thrived. Or lockdown, within, say lockdown. Yeah, in the lockdowns, yeah, lockdowns. specifically. Well, the lo- not the pandemic. About. No one no one yeah. wants to get ill, but but like in no. the lockdowns. Yeah. Um, the people who have thrived in lockdowns are the people who are dissatisfied with the way the world was working. And uh-huh. the people who I found um, had the hardest time in, during the lockdowns were the people who were really quite comfortable with the way the, – this is not in every case because I can think of one very specific instance that's the exception. But yeah. largely, I find that the people who – who had the hardest time with it were the people who, who genuinely were fine with the way that the world was and enjoyed their, you know, their habits and their sort of, be, you know, behaviors and haunts and all that. And the folks that were desperately needing that break, you know, to, yeah. to get off the hot skillet, so to speak, to stop being the dancing chicken, yeah, they, yeah. they thrived for, with that, with that actual, you know, pause. And I think like the suffering and death that has happened to to speak to that a little bit in in the first place is like okay is is a mishandling and a, a proof of like those systems that aren't working. Right. You know what I mean? I really feel like this whole thing has highlighted it's been horrible, and like the people suffering the most are the poorest people, are the people that that don't have that like you know like I I feel like 
that shows that a lot of the systems we've put faith in on a commercial level um, should probably be working differently. And I don't know, it's not over yet. So maybe like change is slow and it's hard to see it from, you know, it's hard to see the label from within the jar. So like, as they say, as my friend says, um, but like I still always have enduring faith that like this change is still happening, that, that maybe we build like a world because we can't go back to normal, but maybe the normal right. that becomes something that's a little bit more inclusive, like for everybody and a little bit more supportive of, you know, like I know my country could really do a lot of things with like, we had a lot of time where we did not have lockdowns and people dying and people getting, we have, we have cases right. in the thousands and we, that was like, you know, I don't know how to run a country, but that was time we could have looked at ways to like learn from the rest of the world. You know, and now yeah. it's happening to us and it should we should have things in place. We had time well, to I, I this makes me sad, but it feels to some degree Australia wants to emulate America and I keep trying to say like don't emulate <laughs> us. The we're, we're the worst examples of how to live a life. Like we suck. Uh, okay. I I'm I have all kinds of exit plans built into my brain one day once I've once I've gotten enough cheese out of this country. Enough cheese. But, <laughs> Yes, but um, you know, you're right. I, 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 if I don't know, I guess this probably wouldn't have affected you all quite in the same way. But like, you know, I was in my early 20s when 9/11 happened, sure. and uh, and fundamentally, the the country that I live in is is wildly different from the country I grew up in. Yeah. Um, that was a very much a defining moment in American history, and we've never gone back to the old way, for the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, you could certainly argue the internet plays a role in that as well, but um, it it just it just changed the way society worked and thought and operated and and the divisiveness that we see so much now is really uh, it I it did not that it started there but it, it the the gulf widened yeah maybe apparent maybe oh, yeah. it's terrible yeah so yeah so in many ways I feel like this. Uh, pandemic and the and the ensuing lockdowns are very much in the same spirit of those those life changing moments where society fundamentally changes and it never quite ever returns to the way it was uh-huh. um, for better or for worse. I think you're you're dead on when when you say that it highlights the failings of our societies, our capitalist societies, frankly speaking, and I think that it, it highlights how either unprepared we are, well, it highlights how unprepared we are for any sort of uh, pathogen, uh, whether out of incompetence or, or um, out of direct, direct lack of caring. I Uh think it, I think it's very apparent that we're not prepared for something more serious, um, no matter who's president, because I've now been in COVID under two diff- very different presidents, and frankly speaking, nothing's changed. Second yeah. verse, same as the first. <laughs> yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Hey, look on that. I just want to say something because, like, this is this is the thing though. Like, I, I have, I have like an ever enduring hope that this is a good thing. Like, there's a Chinese curse that says. I think it's a curse. It's like a phrase in the curse. I read it once when I was young and it says, may you live in interesting times. It's from like a really old Chinese <laughs> story. And this guy meets this old dude on the road and he like, the, the guy asks him for food or for help or something. And the guy like brushes him off at first. It's like a parable, you know? And, right, and then he course. comes back and he's like, tell me some wisdom and I'll help you, you know? And the guy says, 
I can I can give you a blessing or it's a curse. It depends on how you how you perceive it. And he's like, may you live in interesting times. And he's like, well, of course, interesting times will be a blessing. And the guy goes on to have this life and he like lives in a city that gets sacked by an army and like all this shit happens. And he's like, he sees the old man again and he's like, you cursed me. You said you would bless me. And he's like, did you live through interesting times? Like, right. hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I always think of that. I'm like, look, dude, like I used to be, I'm deathly scared of tidal waves. It's from too many movies as a kid. Like, you know, like it's just a thing. I live on an island. It's a thing, you know, like, and I always think, but like, wouldn't that be, imagine being one of the people who like saw a tidal wave. <laughs> like that's crazy. We're like these tiny little things on the planet and we get to experience all this stuff and that doesn't make it okay. But I really think like humans are survivors and all that stuff is true about pandemic and systems and needing to change them. But I also think, like, look how many more people have gotten into magic. Just in your experience, have you seen? I've seen a massive resurgence in it. For better or worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, that's okay. The discernment and filtering happens in any good groups. Right. <laughs> that's all right. I'm not go- I don't want to be the one making the decisions. I'm just going to be over here doing the thing. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it works out all well for everybody. But, um, <laughs> You know, I, I just I just think like everything has a balance and at the mo- at the moment we're watching it tip towards one way. But what if that's like the animal, the wounded animal screaming the loudest before it dies and it's about to see it the other way? Well, I hope so. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that is really important and that I would like to impress upon people because it's quite frankly something that I don't see enough of is unity. And I posted that a little bit recently because in America, especially in my home, the home state that I grew up in, um, the legislation is pulling all kinds of uh, bills and laws that are like very much an affront on 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 William, women's autonomy over their bodies. Yeah, and yeah, that Texas right to decision. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I'm actually yeah. there. I'm actually here in Texas now. Yeah, and and it's it's obviously it's fucked up. I mean, it's it, I mean obviously it's the state should not have that kind of power or reach over one's body. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm disappointed in in and again i'm i'm probably the opposite of you i'm like the eternal pessimist to some degree Uh, i'm not (laughs) i'm a closet optimist but but i but i get disappointed i'm a true proper pisces so i'm easily disappointed (laughs) but i i i see too much divisiveness you know too much too much uh, i saw someone describe it as emotional politics Uh and in in trying times when the your ability to overcome them is is a direct result in my opinion of your ability to unify with your with your brothers and sisters and stand as a united front against oppression that is how things get done yeah what i feel like and i don't i think this is a little bit of a byproduct of the of the of the lockdowns um i'm glad that you made that distinction because it's it's a it's a good distinction to make like mm-hmm. we already live in a in a quite atomized society even before the lockdowns sure yep and then for all the good that the lockdowns did for many people personally i think one of the the prevailing downsides of it is that it's further atomized us and isolated us and relegated everything and most of our social interactivity to social media which is not quite the same although it's amazing because look you're halfway across the world and we're connecting and so this is the upside of it i don't want to be all doom and gloom but <laughs> but the negative side of it is that we further isolate from 
ourselves being a true proper community. And twice during this podcast, both you and I have cringed before using the term community. <laughs> because we were talking about online communities, though. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I'd like to see, <laughs> I, I want to see a society that's more inclusive. I want to see a society that is more unified. I want to see a society where um, we have autonomy over our bodies in a reasonable and safe way. I want to see a society where there's equality and where there's love and compassion and empathy. But with that, that only will come if we're willing to put aside trivial differences sure. and really unite and unite as workers and, and unite as humans and unite as, as people who have a shared common goal for a better life. If we keep using emotional politics and divisive language and we start using the same kind of bigotry and um, terminology that the system that we're uh, allegedly against and just direct it towards oppressors, then you, you end up becoming what you hate, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's the big, that's the big thing that I'm waiting to see uh, before I have any real opinion as to what, this pivotal moment in history is for society. You know, in 9-11, we saw it pivot towards this lack of, of privacy to the point where I think that people, it's not even something that people really value anymore mm -hmm. is privacy because we share so much of ourselves online willingly and we, we track ourselves with our phones and, and it just feels like whether we, we resigned ourselves to it or we just, it's not no longer of importance to us. We've traded it for convenience a little bit, you know? Like, yes, very much so. Yeah. Now, again, yeah. That may be because of the uh, restrictions and limitations and pressures opposed upon us during 9-11 that then just broke that part of our will. Yeah. Uh, with with the lockdowns, I'm waiting to see if, if um, post-lockdown, if we become even more divisive and atomized, or if we kind of come out of our cave and realize that what we were doing before, uh, it doesn't work. And it wasn't making us happy. I mean, how many people have not gone back to work because they're like, fuck that job that was paying me like seven bucks an hour to be abused by customers and, you know, work under a hot grill or above a hot grill, whatever. Uh, you know, it's not worth my time. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something for me. I mean, like, I, how, how many disabled people got told they could never work when that now are like, yes, you can work from home and you can just do it from your like computer. Right. And, like that's like, they can't take that back now. You know what I, I mean? mean? Like, I mean, I don't really see how can't. they, why would they? And also it doesn't make sense like economically. No. Um, I mean, it's cheaper. Like in pr film production, for example, much of my pre-production, of course, I've got to shoot on in real, in real time. But like mm -hmm. a lot of the prep and, and post part of production has been done remotely through Zooms and, and Slack and all these other, you know, technologies that we have. Uh -huh. And, um, that's it, while it's not always easy, that saves in the rentals of the physical buildings and the copiers. And, you know, so, like for years I was hearing in film that people were trying to like go paperless for years. They've talked about it and it never works because people are used to their habits. Right. Yeah. And now we had to, we had to, we literally could not hand out time cards and guess what? Everyone figured it out. And yeah. now it's pretty easy to do everything electronic. Now everyone's readjusted to the new normal. And yeah, so, when it goes when it goes open again, it's gonna take 
it's going to be the best client to have me actually meet them at a cafe anymore and they're paying. Right. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm, it's Zoom or like no. And it should be reserved. Shouldn't it be reserved for like those people that meet, that it, like when it needs to occur, when it yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. Although I have seen some folks that live in more of a, who work in more of a corporate environment uh, get pressure from their bosses because they want to make sure they're working. And, and frankly, another thing that I think that this pandemic has uh, or this lockdown has has highlighted is how we don't need to work eight to nine, 10, 12 hours to accomplish the same work. No. I think it's I think it's very evident how much time we just kill largely online during our work hours because we could get the same amount of work done in like four hours. Yeah. Yeah. And what this what is- what a better quality of life would we have if we just worked our four to five hours, got our work done, and then like had actual free time to create and to do art and to have some leisure, things of that nature? This is what Scandinavian countries have figured out. So I can't remember like sorry, I okay. So my magic is informed by like Scandinavian and Norse practices as well mm-hmm. as Kabbalah and uh, ceremonial magic. But I just love those places. <laughs> um, they need to figure out a few laws and a few things around like racism and things like that with their native don't people. We all. Yeah, yeah, don't we all? But um, they've reduced their work weeks to six-hour days or a four-week, four-day week. I can't remember which one it is. Um, and they're getting like the same productivity and in some cases more because they found like after a six hour day that that two hours, whether it's around lunch or at the end of the day, you're not really like you're switched off. Like <laughs> You're not really, we're just filling time. And so, but they didn't drop their pay and the people are working like That's harder. Yeah. Oh, you know, like, yeah, I just, I just think like there's a lot of all these little things though. See, these are the things that get highlighted we have a worldwide tragedy and we come together and realize how are we living? There's, it's us and the world. And if we want to survive as a race, I guess, or as a species is what I mean. Um, we do need to do more of that. And they, when I see little things like this, like people going, well, actually we need to change the way we work. We need to change the way we handle this thing. Um, that's signs to me. That's what I, that's what gives me that enduring hope. That's what keeps me, because I'm a cynic, like goth as fuck, you know, like forever, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm like, but that's what that optimism, that comes from like that love that's been fostered by magic, I have right. to say, by meditation and magic and not always daily practice, but, you know, aiming at daily practice. And um, that's come, it's, it's connected me with like, like I used to hate the word God, you know, typical, like I was a little man tonight, like I just... I was one of those kids in the in the late nineties, early two thousands that just fuck religion and like. Sorry, can we swear on your podcast? We Absolutely, please. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I forget to check sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> um, sometimes it's not appropriate, like when there's kids in the background and things like that. You know but, what? Um, you know what? Kids can listen to fucking curse words. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew curse words when I was like five. I just yeah. learned. Not to do it in front of my parents and when it was an appropriate time and when it was an appropriate time. Yeah, but you're like, Latino, just right? Words. Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Latino parents, you do not swear in front of them. <laughs> no, but they, but they, curse, they curse in front of their kids all the time. They're they allowed Spanish. to. They're yeah. allowed to. They have the shoes and the wooden spoon. Chunkless. <laughs> the chunkless, yeah. yeah. The, um, most feared, the most feared item in the house is the chancla in a Latino home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, no. Uh, what were you we talking about? We got distracted by Chonkless. Yeah, I know. Um, it was the cursing. fear. The fear. 
I know I swore. I'm so sorry, everybody. I no, like, we're talking. Well, no, what we were talking about, we were talking about the systems that aren't working, and and you know Scandinavia and. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this might not be on point. Everyone listening can scrub back, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I just think what we see in those countries and those systems when we see them breaking down, that's that enduring hope. You know, like yeah. that's that's what I was talking about, magic, um, yes. and how it's given me. Like I used to be scared of the word God was what I was going to say. I hated that word. It was tied to Christianity for me. It was tied to like Catholic school. Um, It was, it had a whole bunch of negative associations and I've grown like at peace with like even religious people, even Christians and other religious people. I'm kind of like, it's all good. (laughs) They were all just on the many paths to finding that source of like that we all come from. And that's, you know, five years ago before I had sort of instilled that practice and meditation gives me like a connection to that all the time and, and magic does too. Before I had instilled that, I would be like, the world's fucked, we're all going to burn. <laughs> you know, I yeah. still think that, but there's a little thing inside of me that goes, well, like, no, if you can have this radical change within yourself and then every time you do it, it pours out onto other people, yeah. then like... You know, like, so we, we still do the work by doing the work in ourselves, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, I would go so far as to say we it's mandatory. And I know not every person in the quote-unquote occult community believes this, but, like, I certainly do. To me, the point of magic is bettering oneself. Uh-huh. And, and um, I think true revolution can only come if you're able to have a revolution within your mind. And uh, going back to the lockdowns, you know, I – it was a pretty radical change for me. I really dove head in into magic at that point. Like I was very, yeah. I was familiar with uh, Damien Eccles and I had bought his book maybe a few months prior, the high magic, but I had other than kind of, you know, poking through it, I hadn't really dove into it. And because again, it's just a sort of time thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a workaholic and I work all the time. And so the lockdown provided me that time. It also, I think it was around the time of the lockdown. I've never been a heavy drug user my entire life. Um, you know, drink, but but never really anything beyond that. And and then really, I would say in earnest from the time of the lockdown, I started experimenting and using more regularly cannabis, um, mm-hmm. which has absolutely cured my insomnia, which I've had my whole life. Um, and, and it also, again, I, I think it's a combination of like, there's something about regularly using cannabis. And for me, I, I typically tie it in with my ritual work. It's not always, but oftentimes I make it a, a part of my ritual or yeah. a part of my meditation. Yeah. Uh, it's not just to get stoned and eat Cheetos and watch TV, although that's okay too. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but the combination of the magic and and expanding my mind with, with cannabis and, and getting uh, into hypnosis and meditation and interlinking all of them has absolutely broadened my perception of what is necessary to impact real change in the world. And, uh-huh. and, I, and I truly believe that, to your point, when you change yourself, you affect the world around you. As above, so below. As within, so without, right? Uh-huh. If you're radiating a, a different vibrational energy, then people will pick up on that. And, and also, I find you will draw different people to you and you will expel people who no longer served you, whether you're conscious of it or not. Absolutely. And then you sit there going, 
why? What happened to my life? I used to have all these friends and now they're not my friends and now I have all these new people and how did this happen? And then lately I've just learned to go, oh, that's right. The biggest part of magic is the surrender part. Just like go with it. Just whatever the universe puts in front of me and you just close your eyes and you hang on to the railing and hope for the best. Right, right. Well, <laughs> one of the things that I do when I do an LBRP, for example, and as I invoke the angels, which to your point, I used to have that sort of healthy skepticism, cringiness when it came to anything that related to Christianity or, or mm-hmm. my Catholic upbringing. My Catholic mm-hmm. upbringing was less traumatic than my, when I, I had a, a few years there where I went to a non-denominational church into a college and that was far more traumatic to me than, than my Catholic upbringing. We were kind of weekend Catholics. Yeah. Um, but, but for the longest time I rejected the term God or religion or angels or anything along those lines. And I've got, I've since sort of gotten over that. And in fact, Whit and I went to a, a Anglican mass a few weeks ago and it was like pretty profound experience. Yeah. It's um, beautiful ritual, right? Like I'm oh, starting to appreciate that. Yeah. 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 But, but when I do the LBRP and I invoke the angels, one of the things I ask for is for it to remove anything, any ties and binds that do not serve me or will inhibit me on my ability to uh, discover my true will, uh, achieve the knowledge and conversation of my holy guardian angel and complete my, and to, um, and complete the great work within this lifetime. Uh-huh. So anything yeah. that does not serve me, I ask for it to be banished every single time I do it from every single angel I invoke. Yeah. And uh, sometimes as I have learned, it will manifest itself in ways that you don't anticipate. And my, the, the most famous story for me was I, every time I invoked Raphael would say, Remove from my body that which ails me and does not serve me. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's directly tied to me getting kidney stones and literally removing <laughs> something from my body that did not yep. serve me in the most yeah. painful possible way that I could have not even imagined. Your filtration system suddenly gets blocked up and you have to like cut out the like yeah. residue in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So listen, choose your words carefully, but it does work. Mm-hmm. and be specific and, yeah well be as specific as possible and look yeah. again if i hadn't if i hadn't had that enduring pain and these things would have built up and built up and built up it might have been more serious or deadly you know yeah 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 and um and we and like think, you you know we need you I'll, in 777 <laughs> I, I like me too i'd like to stick around for a few years i like you too yeah um <laughs> But it's like that with friends, right? It's that it's that it's that way with uh, your relationship with the mundane. Like there's just things that just don't no longer hold interest over you. Uh-huh. I think when you're doing these rituals, because it, you are changing yourself. If you're doing them in earnest, I mean, everyone's practice is different, and I know much less about witchcraft. And I think it's not quite. I mean, you could tell me, but I feel like it's that that sort of personal growth is not as embedded in it. Maybe okay. What so- I see online, I don't know. No, no, no. So that's it's a fair point, especially if you're looking at like online witchcraft community, which is as good as it can be as bad, I'm going to say, because I know people on both sides of that side of the witchcraft community. Um, the Australian witchcraft community is really huge and has a lot of amazing people in it. But you, I think you just that's what I mean by online communities. I think you get that stuff in any community, especially when totally. there's an element of capitalism to it. When Always. there's like. You know what I mean? Um, witchcraft and ceremonial magic. I love talking about this because I find every single person who has an opinion on it has a different opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I practiced witchcraft from, you know, I was like a teenager who the craft came out when I was in high school, like the whole thing, (laughs) you know, the crow was like the first movie that I saw that went, Oh, I'm going to be a goth now. Like, and then the craft (laughs) craft came a couple of years later and it was like, I was ready for it. Um, And so I practiced like Wicca based witchcraft for a little bit. It wasn't really my thing. It was very, um, I I like the wild stuff, you know, like, um, and then, Norse magic and also a little bit of like the South American thing and I just sort of like learning about all of it Mm -hmm. um to me witchcraft and or high magic and low magic if you want to use like the old terms Donald Michael Craig's terms for it um high magic and low magic actually overlap for me like Mm -hmm. I think I wouldn't be as far as I am I had like a jump start so when I started doing ceremonial magic as daily practice which same path as you um, I got high magic. It was random. Someone online was selling it for $10 and they were like, oh, I've got this book. I think you would like it. You'd like this dude. And I was like, Damien Eccles. I was like, oh, I remember this case. You know, it was in the yeah. 90s. I was a kid. I was like, I remember this being like on the news. I remember like Marilyn Manson talking about it and Johnny Depp talking about it. And um, I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know he was into magic. And she was like, you didn't? And I was like, no. And she goes, Okay, the same day it got here or, like, the day after or the day before, Midnight Gospel came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, the day, like, I had the book and I, and the show came out and I didn't know what we – I hadn't – I'm a big Duncan Trussell fan. I didn't. I had no idea what Midnight Gospel was. Like, I was just like, oh, it literally was, like, released today. I started to watch the first episode and then I paused it. My partner was, like, in bed asleep and I was like, I've got to show him this show. Like, I can't watch this on my own. And like, we watched it the next day and we got to the Damien Eccles episode and I was like, this is the book I just got. This is crazy. I read three quarters of that book that second night, like just that whole time. I just sat yeah. down and went, fuck it, I'm going to read this book. And that was it. Like I remember having a moment of just going, I can't go back. Like it was like fear. Like, And I, it's a dweller at the abyss, right? Like of going, if I keep going here, this talks about God and angels. This is all the shit I'm not comfortable with. This is why deep in my gut I feel like I always had this fear that, like, what if the religious people were right? Like it was like this deep thing and it made me scared and I'd always be like, oh, no, like, yeah. And then I was like, this is that feeling. If I keep going, I can't turn back. And I was like, fuck it. (laughs) Like magic's cool. I like this dude. This dude's awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I read more books. um, But I was able to, like, I had, like, a head start. Because a lot of the foundational practices, like the, that's why I read through the first book so quick, like the breathing work, the meditation, the mindfulness, the like even talking about putting energy into things, like that's all witchcraft, you know, yeah. like you do all that stuff in witchcraft. And then the herbs and planetary and color associations. And so I didn't know the tree of life. I had to learn that, but that was fun to learn because it was already yeah. in my wheelhouse, you know, like. I already knew like, you know, black thorns used for protection and blah, blah, and like things like that. And so it was like, it was like these puzzle pieces came together. So this fear I had my whole life of like, what if the Christians are right? That I couldn't shake no matter what I did. I couldn't shake it. There was something I'd go to church and I'd watch these people like Baptist churches with their hands up and their eyes closed. And I'd like get emotional and they'd be like, oh, you're feeling the spirit. And I'd be like, no, I'm emotional because I don't feel what you feel. I want to feel that connection you're feeling, but I do not feel it here. Like I do not. And then that coupled with what I loved about nature-based witchcraft and the energy I felt there that was real, 
came together and I was like, oh, and like I literally found God, like in a in a totally different way that people would think that statement means. <laughs> like, yeah, but like it's funny that you mentioned like the, the Christians might be right and I <laughs> – you know, they almost are, though. They almost are. They just well. It's like it depends on what it. Like in my experience, for example, right? Like I feel to a lesser degree, like Catholic or uh, Anglican is a little closer to the original intent of some of these practices. I mean, it's like necromancy and it's it's ritual work. And then, you know, I I went to a Church of Christ church. Um, which I think is mostly popular in the South here. Um, uh-huh. And I, even my first year in uni was at a church of Christ church. And like, I, I, the reason I started going there is because I went, I went there through a mutual friend and, uh, and I did feel that energy. And it was weird because it's like such a stripped down, watered down, like they've removed almost all the magic out of it. But, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and this is a term I didn't, I didn't learn it to, you know, a couple decades later, but there's an egregore of energy and, and you can tap into that. Um, I do think still to this day that Christianity is like, I I described this to wit, like it it felt like um, they got up to tip breath and then stopped. Yeah. See, to me, like church is complete ritual and magic. And this is why I think prayer works and they have spontaneous healing and things like this happen. I think it is, but like they, um, they just they get to a point and they take the magic out. The sign of the cross and the Kabbalistic cross ritual yeah. is a classic example. Like I went to Catholic, I went to Saint Agnes Primary School. I went to Our Lady of the Sacred Heart until Year Nine, and then I changed to public school. But like, my God, <laughs> like that is all the rituals they taught us there. It, I can see their correlation with magic, even down to like. Um, they have like liturgical dances where you put on these robes and you do like interpretive dance to Psalms mm-hmm. and they're doing like LVX and like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the um, analysis of the keyword motions and things I've seen in Resh and things I've seen, in, like I remember those movements, you know? Um, and so that, I, I think it is close, but it annoys, like, I, I don't know. I'm an Aquarius. I think it's a typical Aquarian thing that we're like, not just humanitarians, but we eschew systems of organization. <laughs> and so I get, I'm like, you are so close. That annoys me more that you're doing it because you're so close. Because why take the rest out? You know, like what? And to Control. me, it's power play. Right. So that's like, so my Aquarian nature goes, oh, and I, to the point where like I may burst into flames if I step into churches but that's not true I actually love churches the architecture is beautiful Mm -hmm. um I think they're sacred spaces but I just yeah I just get so hung up on like the system because then okay I have Christian family right and they would think I was a heathen like they would they would think I'd been I was so close to God but been like led by the devil and I'm just really like that's sad because I actually know your book of worship so well now from a different perspective, but like we could have conversations and it makes me sad that like the religious aspect of it takes away from that like communion. And, you know, like it's what I really admire about Judaism is they seem to like the Jewish people I know in Australia, I don't know if the community is different out here, but um, super accepting of like having open conversations with different mm. You know, like they they have like a you know they're super accepting of the LGBTQIA plus youth as well, um, and 
like they just seem to really be very open about talking about different things. There's like not everyone, but there's a lot of Jewish people you can talk to about like what the Kabbalah is from their point of view, from the religious perspective. And um, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not Jewish or practice a Jewish faith, but I've just noticed that. And yeah. I just wish there was more of that communion between faiths with, with that church well, aspect, I guess. Well, I think one of the things that um, from my perspective that, that I think derailed Christianity, if you, if you believe that, Essentially, most, if not all, of the types of magic that most Westerners practice is um, part of a current of astrotheurgy, and that it's passed down from like the ancient Sumerians and sort uh-huh. of altered and changed and spread and and gotten its own color as different cultures adopted it and things of that nature. Which is why certain things have carried on, and and you could certainly look at Westernized magic as sort of the the best of Eastern sort of Zen Buddhism and Zen energy and Taoism and things of that nature. And then, you know, the Abrahamic um, sort of practices and, and especially with the Jewish mysticism and things of that nature. But, um, but where I feel like Christianity took a wrong turn is that when Rome adopted Christianity and made it like, and then you had the Nicene Council and things of that nature. Like, I think that you, you stripped out the empowering part of Uh magic. And, and because if you teach people magic in a, in church, right. And I'm a big proponent of institutions. I think that, that, that uh, the lack of institutions, healthy institutions has further led to the atomization of folks. And I think that's a, a negative things, but there's a double-edged sword, right? Because at the other hand, institutions can be controlling. And I think that that's where, that's the route that most Christianity took with the influence of, of the Roman emperors. And uh, they stripped away the parts of magic that could empower people to make their own decisions and have those conversations. Sure. And they just kept the part that made people loyal. Like, it's almost like, um, I don't know if this is a good analogy. Like but doctrination, right? That'd be yeah, doctrination. It's, yeah. it's like it's like we're, they're feeding you a, a, a limited version of the current that provides you something, right? Um, if you listen to Marx, the opiate of the masses, right? Like a, a medicine for the masses. Like uh-huh. it helps us, it helps us get through the society that we that we've built. But it doesn't give you the rest of it that allows you to reshape society, reshape yourself, reshape. Uh-huh. And, and sort of be your own God. And I think that's... Take away the autonomy kind of thing. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. So it's like you're only getting a portion of it. You're just getting the addicting portion, but you're not getting the best part, in my opinion, right? That that's the so, part that, that got stripped away from it and that hopefully magic aims to give back. So religion is like the worst shitty street dealer. Like, yes. <laughs> basically, just, yeah. feeding, just feeding people the crack of it's like... like Oregano yeah, yeah. with like a little sprinkle of weed in there. A little maybe. sprinkle of weed in there, and then everyone else is getting like super addicted to it and like crushed, crushed up vitamin C, you know. <laughs> and ceremonial yeah, magicians are sitting over in the corner, blazing eyes, going, "You guys don't know Straight what up. you're missing." Pure, pure <laughs> Colombian Medellin magic. Oh, that's hilarious! I love that analogy. <laughs> Sorry to debase like the world belief systems, but you know, and like to that, to that, just quickly, I want to say because in case anyone of these people are listening, I've met some really awesome Christians my age and like our, sort of our generation and, and younger kind of thing. Like, um, I'm 39. I don't know how old you are. I feel I'm like 40. you're like okay, yeah, we're pretty much the same age. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I've met like 
quite a few people that break that mold. Like Whitney himself, he's a ceremonial yeah. magician but does Christian magic. Like I learned yeah. heaps from his Sorry, plug to volonosair.com, uh, everybody. Um, <laughs> I learned heaps from his Christian magic class, though, that I hadn't thought of. Like, damn, Christians and Catholics are randy bastards <laughs> and they don't even know it. Like, um, for context, you're going to have to go research that, everyone listening at home. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really like that we are breaking the mold. I, th- I feel like, you know, before we were talking about the pandemic and everything and, and you were saying about unity, right, and I guess that's how we got onto magic, how we work on ourselves and we, we heal the world. But like this, the world we live in right now, isn't it great to live in a time where we can have an eclectic, like I am a ceremonial magician like you, but also mm-hmm. a witch and like into like, and we all have different versions of what that looks like for us. Right. And I think it's really beautiful to see everyone walking that path. And so as much as I hate the institution of Christianity, I try not to like, I try to fight my Aquarian nature to hate everything about an institution and come to realize that the people are not like the individual people are not right. that, you know, and that's how we like break that down. So I think like to say to your point, how we need some healthy institutions, that would be what it would look like. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's really an important point because I, in America, uh, I experience this more in America than I do in Australia. It's, Australia always seems super laid back to me. Um, but in America, it's, the tribalism is rampant, right? And and I, I live in California, but I'm from Texas. So I hear people all the time smugly talk shit about people from the South and rednecks and people from Texas and this, that, and the other. And it's like, I, I try to tell people like, in fact, just the other day I was on a Zoom and someone, my boss that I'm working for now said, dude, what's going on in your home state? And I said, the people here are as widely diverse as the people in California. There are people who are for some of these bullshit laws and there's people who are against it. The average working class laborers are generally good people. They're just trying to get by. It's only when you take that 10,000 foot view that you're able to group people and make wide, broad assumptions. And, um, and the reality of it is, is that when we can remember to your point that there are, these folks are individuals and you you get away from that that sort of knee jerk reactionary mindset of labeling everyone this or that or whatever, right? Um, then then we can start to view people uh, as as people that we can relate to, right? I mean, I I don't I won't speak for you, but for me, every individual is just. God or the universe or the source of the force of the divine or whatever you want to call it, um, looking at itself from a different perspective, from a different vantage point, right? I'm right there with you, dude. So, <laughs> I agree. So, yeah. So yeah. so this is why I had this very, um, very frustrating conversation. I have this frustrating conversation all the time. Too much because I need to stop arguing with people on the internet. But <laughs> people have gotten accustomed when, it, when they think they're doing it in the right way to make these blanket – widespread uh, assumptions about whole groups of people, be it uh, Texans or people from the South or even Republicans. Like I've known people, I have friends that are Republicans and like, they're not bad people. Uh They're just have a slightly different view than me. And conversely, I've met liberals who are uh, not bad people, but have a slightly different perspective than me. And, um, and when we get past these like 
quick, you know, uh, off the shelf labels. And we remember that every individual person is very unique, is a fucking star. And, um, yes. just, and quite, some, just dropping some Crowley there. Just, just drop it just yeah. occasionally. Yeah. I do a Chris right <laughs> there too to really make Daddy Crowley happy. Um, uh-huh. It gets harder to be be divisive the the more you 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 break yourself away from making broad assumptions and um uh-huh. i think the only way we're going to be able to build good institutions uh is by treating people as individuals and then once we treat each other as individuals then we'll see the similarities because uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna all generally kind of need the same things out of life right we're all seeking love and pleasure and and validation and warmth and empathy and all these things when you start seeing them in every single person instead of like making a label and and dehumanizing a whole swat of people then we can start to build communities that address the basic fundamental needs that as humans that we need and i will segue this into an actual what i consider an actual community that is operating in a healthy manner. And that's our seven, seven, seven club Yeah, that, you know, um, you know, people come in and out as they need to. And as they, as they can, of course, we all have lives and, and we understand that. But um, for those who don't know, it is, uh, it's essentially kind of started as a, as a book club of, of yeah. sorts. Yeah. It still is like, we're still doing the book. Um, but, but it's more than that in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right? The book is almost like the book. Reading the Thoth, the the Book of Thoth, is just sort of um. It feels like an excuse to get together and and do the real magic, which is like when we break away. I feel like uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the book may inform like I won't give away everything you do. Join this. Go go to Seven Seven Club and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and be a part of it if you want to experience it. But um, but the real magic is the interconnectivity between people who are literally all across the world. Okay. And- so using it as a, as, so above, as above, so below, what I think works there and what I think like we're sort of hitting on here is we've got shared elements of like a spiritual, a shared spiritual space that's safe despite mm-hmm. its differences. Communication, there's a little bit of like connection and lightheartedness because we laugh and talk to each other. Um, also, the person that runs the thing doesn't run the thing. Like he runs the thing but like is – if you came in halfway through and we were just sort of having a conversation, you'd have a hard time figuring out who was in charge. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the kind of thing like it is. And I think like this is like it, it, it's more of a like little bit of a tribal gathering to use the term, yeah. which yeah. the reason I use that term is kind of because I want to point to the fact that these communities, what we need to do is like that more tribal nature where everyone not everyone has a role like if you don't have a role you're not good enough to be in the tribe nothing like that but where where we play to each other's like strengths and help each other out in this is what's happening right this is what happens in societal systems that are working during this pandemic to talk about that is where people have come together and gone well what can I do to help you like let me get you food let me help you with this thing oh this person has no mobility let's bring them a care package like little things like this like this is the magic that everyday people do who haven't found their um magic book that they've read yet you know and everyone finds everyone everyone will naturally find its its role uh, and what what happens too often in our capitalist society is that we we don't create that kind of space. We create a very competitive space, 
we create a space where it's like we're all crabs in a barrel eating each other to get to the top so that we can be in the in the boiler faster right which is of course serves nothing which again it goes back to my my you know my plea to everyone to like <laughs> remove this divisive language from your minds and like yeah, realize yeah. that only if, if <clears throat> excuse me only if the crabs work together can they get out of the barrel and get out and, and escape their fate, right? They can they can cut the head off the Ouroboros and they can escape this uh, endless cycle that we seem to find Ooh, ourselves in. Nice imagery. <laughs> like, I liked the imagery there. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this is like, okay, so funny, big circle coming back to the start. All of this, what we're talking about, this is, you asked, the first thing you asked me was like how I came about to do art like to make art my and be a creator and and have that be like who I am in this lifetime um everything we just spoke of are like the driving factors behind Mm. it because magic has also I used to be really really scared of like death mainly because I was it was that Christian fear like I was afraid of what was gonna happen when I died blah 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 um and it's given me like a peace with that but also it instills this practice of like, and I'm trying still, it's really hard to be mindful all the time, but this like being in the moment, being in the moment right now and not giving like the ego a job to do because I'm in this moment right now. The best thing for that is like playing guitar, drawing Mm. something, making a thing. And all these, like we live in a crazy, crazy world. Um, It's really easy to get lost in the despair of that. Mm-hmm. But if I make things and I put my energy into them and my magic, that thing is a talisman. Each of those tarot cards will be a talisman, even if it's not the original drawing. Um, right. All the drawings I'm doing that sit in my desk sit there gathering like energy because I believe it, because I make it so. And it's all to counteract my way. Like it's like my weapon, if you would, if you're looking at it as a fight against like that crazy energy out there. You know, and if I make this thing, who knows? Like, what if someone buys a tarot deck, does a divination, goes on to like, yes, I will study and go be a scientist and figure out a way to like cure. Like, you don't know what your shit will do in the world. Mm-hmm. You just got to put it out there, right? Like, I I agree one hundred percent. There's um on a I had a discussion once on a different podcast where we were talking about the role of art in the world, mm-hmm. and is art a mirror to the world? Or is art a um, hammer by which to shape the world? And as we're having this discussion, it just sort of, I had this epiphany and I said, it's both. Art, art acts as both a mirror to reflect the world and a hammer to shatter that image. You know, it's, it's through art that we're able to see what we've done and also break that, that, that hold on us. Uh-huh. When done right. And I know that not everyone felt, I, like I read this dopey comment on Twitter that talked about like how essentially like poetry is just sort of masturbatory. And I could not disagree more. I think any form of art, even art you may not aesthetically like, like I'm not a mumble rapper, but I've met people who like little peep save their life, like legitimately, like, <laughs> you know, and things and I, I never thought say, we'd talk about in a podcast number 134. <laughs> Go exactly. On. <laughs> but you know what? I may not like that kind of music, but I can't deny oh. that the, the power that it holds over yeah. certain people. And um, you mentioned earlier, like music and, and stuff being big influence on you and movies being a big influence on you. Mm-hmm. And, I, I do believe that uh, art 
is a is a strong current uh, hold, holds a strong current of energy within it mm-hmm. because of the labor the physical labor behind creating it um, the creative energy the emotional energy i mean if you really think about i'm sure you can think about any drawing you've done or any song you've written and think about how much of your how many of the of the basic elements go into that like like fire and action right passion your thoughts your emotions like the physical creation of it i mean there's literally any piece of art even this digital audio recording it mm-hmm. encompasses all of those things if and and and, as, and if you charge it even further if you have intent behind that and you don't just sort of walk through it sort of absentmindedly mm-hmm. then it can be incredibly powerful Mm-hmm. That's what uh, this podcasts are really powerful. Like I was, I actually had like a whole, uh, the you know, starting a podcast was like a dream. I just didn't do it for a long time. But as I said, someone just said you should do this, and I was like, all right, I'll try it. And then had a whole ritual practice where um, I was doing Wim Hof before ritual, so that by the time I went into like LBRPQ and QC and all of that, I was raising a lot of energy, but already mm-hmm. in that like brain state you know like that Wim Hof kind of puts you in after a few rounds and um then I went straight into a middle pillar I just wanted to raise as much energy as I could like I wanted to have an experience I was at that point in my magic where I was having semi-visual experiences behind closed Mm -hmm. eyes and um yeah and I had a full like like I I I love like um I'm a big proponent of psychedelics in magic and in art like visionary art and psychedelic Mm -hmm. use for healing um not you know, I, I believe it's a medicine that's here. Um, like most people, I don't think you can achieve lasting results like crossing the abyss permanently, but I think it's a good way to sort of have a day trip around the abyss. If you sure, yeah. Think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I had like a DMT-style journey just with my eyes closed after meditation, Wim Hof, uh, LBRP, QC, and a middle pillar, you know, kept a blindfold on. Um, and it was like... Yeah, it was just like <laughs> it was a total, total experience of having like creativity shown to me and that I was here to speak and they were like, you need to speak. You need to like speak and podcasts are not silly little radio shows or interviews or people talking about themselves for hours. Yes, they are, but like this is a way that you can open up a message and people will hear it that wouldn't otherwise hear it. And that was like a real clear directive for me. Like I, so every podcast I've ever done and this one before this one, I've like charged with just like, Hey Gabriel, help me communicate. Um, Archangel Michael always, you know, bring the fire and passion. Like, um, I believe that this is magic. Someone might be listening to this. Who's never even thought about looking up like a name we mentioned or a book we mentioned or a show we mentioned. And then that's going to change their life. Like not to be, grandiose I think everyone has that power like I think that it's an equal thing I um used to want to when I was young I used to want to go to university you know how you like study a whole bunch of stuff and do a thesis yeah well I never got that far because I dropped out my junior year but so did I don't worry I I never like I, I went to uni for like eight months and then spent a lot of the time going to the concerts at the local, at the uni bar. But um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, but I used to want to study all these like subjects in the different humanities, sciences, everything. So I could do like a grand thesis to prove that every single person has the ability to be inherently creative. Mm -hmm. Um, At the moment I'm doing a course with like Jake Coburn, which is 
following it's got unleash your own artist but it's following the artist way by julia cameron oh yeah 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 and that's like it's like a highly you know she's very i think she's like christian based spirituality but it's like talks about god a lot but i'm fine with it um that's what that book is that book is like my thesis that i would have written you know um it's that's on my list i have it i just haven't read it yet it's like you know as most people in the magic community, we buy a billion books that we takes 10 years to get through. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a pile. There's a pile yeah. here. But I got the time, I figure. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I'm doing it at the moment. So this course is basically running through that because it's like 12 weeks and 12 chapters. and. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's. I really recommend it for anyone who's like – if you've ever thought, I wish I was creative or I don't know how to be creative or if you just are creative and feel a bit blocked um, – I would recommend getting this book. Like I wanted to mention it on this podcast because it's been like really instrumental to me doing more things like this, even saying yes to you. Um, I was in my feels about not doing my podcast this year and I probably (laughs) would have been like thought of all these reasons not to do it. Like, oh, what have I got to say? I'm not really being as productive as I'd like to be, Um, you know, and that, that, the chapter I'm doing at the moment actually talks about like saying yes to opportunities and stuff like that. So oh, there you go. Synchronicity, yeah, Volta. Yeah. 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 Volta. I know yeah. such a good concept. <laughs> I, uh, I get anxiety before doing just about anything, even stuff I love. Um, yeah. If I go to jujitsu on the walk there, or drive there, I get anxiety. Even sometimes I get anxiety before doing magic, especially if I know I've got like a lot of, if I'm doing a lot more than maybe I normally do. Like I just, it's, it's a naturally, recurring phenomenon for me and so pushing through that is always uber important and and of course once i'm there i love it right Mm -hmm. um but it's an important part of sort of saying yes sometimes Mm -hmm. uh there's there's you know look i want to it's very important to set boundaries and limits and say no that is obviously an important thing that we should all recognize in a lot of different fields however one thing i think i don't hear enough of is it's also okay to say yes in a healthy uh, way to things that are will enhance our lives that might be yeah, scary. and creative opportunities as well. And, exactly, because sometimes we need that little nudge to get out of our comfort zones and do something that um, maybe maybe life changing. Again, like sure, maybe it's grandiose to mention, but you know, the littlest things can fundamentally change your life. We talked earlier about how like we both came to know of Damien Eccles because of his trial, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that's uh, probably the case for most people, but like. I was, I don't know, 13 or 14 when the first documentary came out. And my dad happened to have one of those, uh, 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 hopefully, I don't think the statute of limitations has passed. You know, those like those cable box like hacks that like, get you like free cable uh, illegally back when that was a thing. I love so how da- you're like statute of limitations has passed. Probably. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like 20 years. It's yeah, five, yeah. It's been 25 fine. years. But, um, you know, like my, so my dad had HBO and mm-hmm. I, would sneak, you know, I'd wait for my dad to go to bed and then I'd sneak into the living room and I'd probably watch stuff I wasn't supposed to be watching on HBO at, at dark. But one of those things I watched was the documentary. Now I would never, my wildest have dreams have imagined that that viewing, right. Uh, which was surely not my intent. I guarantee you as a 14 year old sneaking to go watch HBO after dark. Um, but that one viewing of that documentary would then sow a recognition that 25 years later would lead to a very fundamental change in the way that I not only uh, conduct my life, but view the world. Uh And so uh, never, I think it's important to never underestimate how one opportunity or one event 
can have a ripple effect that can monumentally affect the way you live and, and the life that you are meant to live. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. Cause like, and that's what we're doing now. So all these people that have affected our lives that mean so much to us that, uh, you know, whether it's through a book, their story, their life story, a song, something they've created, just who they are. Um, at some point they weren't that like, at some point, Damien Eccles wasn't Damien Eccles, you know, that right. we know that, that like has a Patreon that does all this stuff, that wrote a book, that wrote a few books. Um, it, it, he was just like a dude <laughs> that had a really shitty thing happen to him yeah. and like use those circumstances to transmute that energy and think of him what you will. Like a lot of people are divided. They think this or that, but that's a, that's a like amazing story of, of change and perseverance and coming out the other end with something different and like a new thing that has affected many lives. And that's what I mean by like, this is like just two people. We're just like two whoever's talking on a podcast, but who knows, like, you know, putting it out. And like, that was, I always felt imposter syndrome with putting creations out there. Um, and that's what that is too. Us two both checking ourselves going, hopefully this is not presumptuous or like grandiose. That's oh, that care. little, that's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> You've I'm dealt with it. You, you're care. like, I've dealt with it. I'm all good. <laughs> like, but that's what that is. It's echoes of that imposter syndrome that tells you like, you're not good enough to be taking up this space. And there's plenty of space. <laughs> like Please. the creative force moves through the world. I had an art teacher once tell me that creative force is like this big nebulous cloud that just like of energy that moves and tumbles through the world and you can be a part of it as it goes past you or you can let it pass you by, but it's going to keep going (laughs) without you. (laughs) Not only that, I think a lot of times when we talk about, we sort of put caveats on ourselves as artists, um, even, even calling oneself an artist, which, you know, it's, it's, it feels presumptuous and it feels pretentious, Mm -hmm. but I think we conflate being an artist with being famous Right. Not all of us are meant to be famous because I've worked in the entertainment industry. I see famous people all the time and it's uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And I don't think you need to, to be an artist. In fact, you don't even need to be famous to be a working artist. You know, even if you had only stayed doing graphic design, that's a working artist. You can make a career doing that and yeah. be just fine. Or you could hop off that train and do art in a different way and be just fine. Um, we we think that when we say like we're creating art or we're doing this, or maybe we have the ability to affect the world that, that that somehow means that we're, we're elevating ourselves to this like fame status. But the fact of the matter is a single kind word to someone can change their world. Right. Yesterday, my wife and I went to go get vegan food and it was just the bomb, right. It was delicious. And, and just made a point of going back in and letting the kitchen staff know that the food was excellent. Because how many times I, I don't know if you've ever worked in food service. I have like yeah. you just get shit upon, you <laughs> yeah. know. You, just you only hear complaints. You never yeah, hear you, people like happy. <laughs> exactly. And how and how does that one simple, unobserved, unrecorded, unbroadcast comment, you know, sign of compassion and niceness affect someone's life in in a in a meaning in a way that is so much more meaningful than having a bunch of likes or followers or a book sales or any of that other bullshit that is fleet as fleeting. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't really think it's pretentious to say that one podcast can change people's lives. I don't think I've done an episode where at least one person hasn't said something like I, you know, 
this was amazing or this, that, or the other, or, you know, like I've had people listen to an episode and be like, oh, I'm going to reach out to that person and just see how I can contribute to mm-hmm. their work, right? Or I'm going to go check out their art or I'm going to follow them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it may be. And it doesn't make one, you know, it's not it's not about us as an individuals. It's just, it's the creating, right? Yeah. It's the so creation. You're, you're plugging into that web, right? Like that right. Inter- interconnects all. This is, this is the thesis thing that I used to, was trying to articulate as a kid but could never do, which is what I've seen through magic and making art that is informed by my magic is like, there is a web that connects every single one of us, even the people we don't like, even the bad people, whatever you want to call them. Like, and of which there's many. Yeah, yeah. And like a few things light it up though. So like live music absolutely mm-hmm. lights it up. You will connect with people that you wouldn't look sideways on the street at or even mm-hmm. notice in your life and you will have moments with them. Live music and like this is why church is like yeah. the moment that moment in church I talked about that where I felt sad because they were all having a moment. They were it was in worship, it was in song, you know, like yeah. that's to me that's the most palpable moment of any worship service is like when they all sing and um and like there's a few things like that that absolutely and creativity I think connects people like for sure the people I have in my life now magic obviously is one of them but magic is art and art is magic like but the people I have in my life now most of them know me uh online as an artist as a creator Mm -hmm. and I have to like stop sometimes and be like I'm not trying to be an artist like I am one, <laughs> like yeah. there's all these people that that's like, you know, and it's just like, I, I sort of wanted to bring that up to people out there who feel like they're not, you know, they're still trying to be the thing that they want to be or like, but yeah. you are in being it. Like if you're trying to be it and you're not there yet, just maybe examine if that's tied to like whether you're making money around it. Which yes, absolutely huge. is another thing that you can do. Like you can be an abundant artist. You know, I'm learning all this shit now with Jake Coburn actually, like about owning my worth and being like knowing I can be an abundant artist and that kind of thing. But you can do those things, but that doesn't define you as a creative force of whatever your art is. And like it doesn't have to be a classic art form. You don't have to be an amazing drawer or painter and like a technical musician. You can just like arranging food on a plate in a way that looks nice. And the colors are balanced or maybe it's the way you decorate your house or maybe you're really into your fitness and you find new ways to push yourself. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's, I think a lot of people misdirect creativity to be just this like little box of things. Oh, 100%. I, I, for years, I, I'm not, I mean, I can sketch a little bit, but I'm not really like a fine artist and, um, you know, I'm an okay musician, but again, like I, I was very much like what you're describing for a lot of years. I thought of myself as um, someone who wasn't really an artist because I didn't fit the painter, musician, drawer boxes. But you're right. There's so many other ways that you can manifest creativity. Even and what I found, uh, I've always been what I what I've always kind of felt like I've been really good at outside of the logistical stuff I do for like my main job. Right? Is um, act as a sort of a, as a, as a sort of an incubator for creative ideas. Like I, like all my sisters are super, super creative people, like in the traditional sense, right. Um, people I've dated, my current partner, my wife, like is a extraordinarily creative people in the traditional senses. And where I felt like I've always been really good about is helping incubate their ideas and then grow them. Yeah. Right? Like supporting them. 
Exactly. Yeah, and, find, yeah. and, and adding to them and growing to them and inspiring and things of that nature. And, and that's a form of creativity. And so what I've tried to do anyway, and certainly anyone listening can, can let me know how much success I'm having on it, is with this podcast, sort of take that innate ability and sort of put it into the into the uh, interwebs into Al Gore's what did someone say <laughs> Al Gore rhythms Al Gore's yeah. internet you know Al Gore's internet yeah yeah and the, and 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 hopefully foster some creative inspiration uh, uh-huh. there's something else that you said about like stop trying to be something and be it um, I, I'm a huge Robert Rodriguez fan the filmmaker oh yeah 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 and, I know Robert Rodriguez man yeah Robert Rodriguez did this um, short, little short film called 10 Minute Film School. Uh-huh. And um, in it, one of the, the, the things that always stuck out to me was he says, you want to be a director? Wrong. You are a director. The moment you want to be it, you are it. Now, print out some business cards and go learn your craft. Yeah. And I, I think that that applies to all artists. Stop saying mm-hmm. you want to be one and be one. And, mm-hmm. and, and that does not mean assume that you're the best at it or that you're the most famous at it, right? I see this in film often. People come into the film community and then they think that they're, you know, Roger Deakins Jr. or Steven Spielberg Jr. And it's, it's not quite that easy. Yeah. And frankly, you don't want to be a junior. You want to be authentically yourself. And uh-huh. that does mean you have to learn the craft. Like you mentioned earlier, like you put a lot of years of learning the technical yeah, yeah. aspect of, of drawing. Mm-hmm. But the moment you wanted to be an artist, you were. All you had to learn at that point was the was the technical part, and anyone can learn the technical part. That's true. It's, it's I the believe creative in part. This. The creative part is the unteachable part that you either you either manifest inherently or through hard work, or or you don't. But an, you can teach any person yeah. how to draw a straight line or a circle or you know put you know push a paintbrush. Even more things than this, like, sorry, finish your point and then I'll add. No, no, go right ahead. Exactly. (laughs) I I was going to say, even more than this, like harder things like singing is a really good example of this. So um, I have formulated, I've been teaching Ash, not teaching him, he's been learning on his own, but I've been saying to him, like, you have a natural singing voice. He thinks he can't sing. He he did think this previously. He doesn't now. Um, but what it what I've realized with a lot of people who think they can't sing or who are off key or who can't hear, if they have if they can pick up a guitar and they can hear a chord and you go play this and they can play it with a bit of practice, sure, knowledge yeah. or or like whatever your instrument is, that part of your brain that can hear a tone is mm-hmm. activated, which means you have the ability to sing in tune, like. Yeah. So people who say they're flat, people say, I have a theory that it's a confidence issue, not a 100%. talent issue. And breathing. I'm, they lead to learn breathing techniques. But Yeah, the breathing is the hardest part. Right. That's, there's a technical aspect, though. That's a technical aspect, though. Yeah. All people have a, a form of creativity that they were born with, yeah. oftentimes many forms, but at least one. And yeah. it's just a matter of developing it and making it real and and using it to create and i'm a big believer that movement begets movement Mm -hmm. and so if you just take a single step the the next step will follow and the next step will follow and before you know it you will have climbed that damn mountain and Mm -hmm. then you're unstoppable and creativity really is just like fostering that reconnection and and relationship with the inner child so the part of you that wants to play the part of you that wants to do fun things that's a part of us that gets bred out of us as we get older, like we get told to grow up, to 
you know, put away childish things, I think is like a quote from the Bible, funnily enough. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and like this, so what I've been learning again, like in this course, and I've been taught before, is like in order to rebalance my relationship to creativity, I have to let that kid out. Like, yeah. so I've got to do fun things and put, and like back to the singing thing, I really recommend it. Even if you think you're the worst fucking singer in the world listening at home right now, you should sing once a week, try to sing every day. Like it is inherently good for you as well. You are raising energy in a way that like, I don't, I can't even explain to me. It has a similar effect singing as like, a drug would have in my body, a physiological change, you know, there is like a change yes. in my mood in how I feel. Um, and it's reconnecting that inner child that doesn't care that they don't, they haven't even learned that they can't sing. Right. You know, like no one's taught them that that's a bad singer. Like they're just like enjoying, you know, um, anything that reconnects you with that and try it for a week and tell me you don't feel more inclined to do something creative by the end have of you, it. <laughs> have you ever, um, have you ever tried sort of when you vibrate uh, various, you know, names and magic, have you ever tried sort of singing, sing vibrating? Yeah. Yeah. It's Middle a pillow. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hugely profound. It has been a hugely profound difference for me um, mm -hmm. when I'm doing either the LBRP or LIRP or middle pillar, like to, sort of do it like you like like almost like you're in catholic church right when you're doing this okay. when you're doing the psalms like it, it's a bit of that and it, it has added an added layer of um of force of energy of, of, of literal kinetic energy like you're vibe you're like you're vibrating in the room and like you feel it mm -hmm. in a way that is more powerful than when you're just sort of like you know like you're, you're literally vibrating your vo vocal cords. And, like, as yes. well as that, I, I do this thing I've, on Spotify. There's this playlist called Sound Baths. I don't know. It's just, like, some random playlist. Um, and she, it's just someone with all, playing different tones. Like, I think they group them by star sign or something, different tones on sound bowls. I mm -hmm. put that on as loud as I can so that, like, my speakers are, like, doing that. Oh, thing. that's a smart idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I try to do wherever it's up to. It's different every time because the songs change in order. Right. So wherever it's up to, I will vibrate so that it's that moment when it hits the sweet spot with the note. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> like maybe it's a musician in me, but I just go, oh, that was perfection. Nope. That we were connected to everything in the universe in that moment. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like using uh, movie scores, especially like, you know, stuff from like Gladiator and things of that nature. And some mm -hmm. sometimes when you're vibrating that note, you hit the note that the music's playing and it's the same sort of, that feeling where you've transcended what you're doing and you just, you're feeling it on a different level because you're, uh -huh. you're putting more of yourself into it. Uh huh. Well, we're getting close to the end. And, I, and before we go, I, I would be beside myself if I did not ask, because I noticed on your Twitter amongst the many things that you list that you do, um, that you're a Whovian. Yes. And so, and so, <laughs> Sorry. See how excited I just got. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> And so I have to ask you who your favorite doctor is. Oh, this is such a good question. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the non-Huvians at home right now. Um, <laughs> the thing is, it is really difficult because David Tennant, I think, is my first answer. But but Christopher Eccleston is sweet. Oh. Um, <laughs> Matt Smith, the next doctor, is like a kid's dream. <laughs> um, I love Dr. Eyebrows as in... Uh, Capaldi, 
Picaldi, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi, I love it. And then the fact that the Doctor is now a, a woman who is like silly and all over the place and it's gone back to that kid element is is fantastic. But, look, if I've got to pick one, it's got to be um, Casanova himself, David Tennant, yeah. the Tennant's Doctor. I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I've been trying to get Jess to watch Doctor Who for ages and she's never had any interest in – I think on the drive over here, we were watching this. Uh, David Tennant was at this awards, and he didn't realize he was going to get some sort of like lifetime award. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. I know the video. Talk about it's like yes. a feel good video. <laughs> yes, yes, and I get he, the earnestness and the, the yeah. overwhelmed like emotion that comes over him. Um, I think I may, and then I, and then I spent like a whole hour like explaining like the the new Doctor Who, like the Doctor Who revival, like from uh-huh. eight onward, and uh-huh. how the war, how the War Doctor played in a part, and uh-huh. I actually got to watch the 50th anniversary at the YouTube space, and somewhere oh. online they did an interview with me. I got a bow tie on. I'm such a dork. Uh, uh, I'll, I I'll dressed up as a doctor. It. We had it at the movies, and I dressed up as a doctor. I had trench coat, Converse, yeah. everything, and a yeah. you know Sonic screwdriver. Um, I've got to say, David Tennant's my favorite Doctor, but for any that episode with Peter Capaldi when he's in that castle for like a hundred thousand fucking years or whatever, like millions of years. And he has to like fight through the ice and like that things, dude, I have never cried so much in that. The whole, like, yeah, it's this show destroys you in the best way. It is. It's so great. It's goodness and hope. And um, if you want to get Jess into it, my, my suggestion is show a good omens. I think you guys have it on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, show a good omens, and then if you can find the old school Casanova short miniseries that he did, that was it's pretty much Doctor Who. Like he's the, definitely the Doctor. He even talks exactly the same accent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Doctor Who in Victorian times, like it's like in the Renaissance, Excellent. like yeah, yeah. So, um, and then if she's sold there, she'll be easy to get into Doctor Who. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think so. I'm gonna get her there. I want to show her Bad Wolf at some point. Well, yeah. Angie, thank you so much. I have loved talking with you, and yeah, as we talked about. As we talked about at the top of it, like time flies by, and like again, there's only the loose collection of ideas of where we might go, and and then we just allow it to manifest in the way that it's meant to. So, uh, before we head out, like let anyone know if they want to follow your art, if they want to listen to your podcast, like where can they find you, where yep. are you on, all that good stuff. Um, okay, so Vix V I X Vix in the Shadows on Instagram is my personal slash art account. Uh, Vix in the Simulation on Twitter because I think I'm funny. Um, <laughs> you are. And, yeah, the Conception Arts podcast is actually uh, everywhere. So Spotify, uh, Apple, all all the podcast platforms, and also on YouTube. Uh, Conception the Conception Arts is what it's called. So check it out. I'm hoping to bring it back. Um, get a whole bunch of guests together and do this again. I had so much fun. I would love to do this again when I'm actually releasing my tarot yes, deck. Please, please do. <laughs> like, Which, again, if, if folks will follow you on, on Instagram, you've, you've released some teasers and it's, it's fantastic. Thank you. Amazing thank art. You and so I'm much. really excited to see it come, come to life and, and to own it. Yeah. The time hopefully, comes. Um, well, the aim is like 2022 for production and, and stuff like awesome. that. So mid, like probably about a year from, a little under a year from now, I'd like it to be out. So that's awesome. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had heaps of fun. Thank you so much for having me today, Dave. Same, same. I did as well. And thank you again for being such a wonderful guest. Please follow Angie on all of her art forms. Uh, check out your podcast, your art, the tarot deck, all of that stuff. You're one of the you're one of the the very best and most amazing people that I know, um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have met you and to have 
had all those shared experience with you in the 777 club and i hope that there's many more to come and uh yes we're closer to your tarot deck or any or any of your art projects coming out let's do this again and chat some more about it i would like to thank once again angie for taking time out of her day to join us um someone as talented and as gifted as her to give us a behind the curtain look at to some of her path uh, not only in magic but in as an artist I really enjoyed this conversation i hope you all did as well um, as i said in the opening angie has quite a bit of art coming out including a tarot deck as you as you've just heard and so i encourage you all to follow her um, on twitter as vix in the simulation uh, on instagram as vix in the shadows uh, you know artists who who work to put out um you know, who create content and create art that with so much of their soul and their effort and their heart, you know, going into it uh, is, is a valued commodity is something that is desperate and it's desperately in need. And I think that the, the very minimum we can do is support, follow uh, and share the message and their art to the larger world, because a world without art is a, a pretty dull one. And uh, folks like Angie, do such a great job of filling it with enchantment and wonder in ways that I think that we are very lucky to be a part of. So thank you once again, Angie, for taking time to come on this show. Thank you all at home for listening. And until next time, gold rings on you all.